And welcome to everybody to Scout's Eye on Football. I am Chris Landry. Another Wednesday as we break down the world of college football and the NFL. We have the college football rankings to go over. Not so much the rankings all the way down, but just kind of how the landscape looks. It's pretty clear cut what's going to happen the rest of the year. And I know you're saying, well, wait a minute, what's the Ohio State situation? We're going to get into that, explain that what's going on there and kind of the, what we're headed towards the rest of the season. And then what it means too for not just the rest of the college season, but the rest of the NFL season. And uh, in terms of getting this season, and I got to tell you, it's kind of frustrating um, getting to the finish line of this season, going to get into coaching search updates around college in the NFL um, and kind of get into the action this week. Um did get uh, some news this morning um, that is uh, apparently um, the case that uh, former Alabama coach Ray Perkins um, has passed away. Uh, Ray was uh, a little under 80. Um, of course, he was known mostly for um, uh, replacing Bear Bryant. I want to get into, going to start off with that a little bit. Um, want to uh, remind you, um, got a couple of stories that I want to get into on Ray, but remind you that uh, if you are watching this podcast or if you're not watching this podcast, you're listening to it. We appreciate it. Uh, check us out on Twitch TV. That's twitch.tv forward slash the uh, Chris Landry football. And as a subscriber uh, to the show, um, you're going to get access. You're going to be uh, inside members, part of the team here. And what we want you to do is uh, send us your comments, your thoughts, your questions. We'll get to them here. Cheer us on a few bits. Become part of it. So go and subscribe. That's the first thing you want to do. Go and subscribe. And then go to the bottom and click the heart button, the like button there. Um, and, uh, that'll, uh, that'll, that'll friend us. So we appreciate you doing that. So as I said, um, news has come down. Um, I've got, got it from a mutual friend. I, I haven't seen any media reports on it yet. Um, but I, I was told that, uh, Ray Perkins has passed away. The, um, former coach, well, most, again, most notably known for, Playing football for Bear Bryant was a outstanding receiver, and um, played in for for tied uh, for uh, Bears Alabama team, and uh, was the guy that um, they wanted to replace. Um, they asked to replace Bear Bryant. Um, there was actually the story was. When Bear announced that he was going to retire, the guy that Bear wanted to replace him was Gene Stallings. Um, but and and you would think, you would think if anybody had the political pull, certainly Bear did to to get that done. The reality was, while no one was against Gene, there was more people in the Ray Perkins camp. Well, it was going to be one of Bear's boys, <clears throat> Ray Perkins was the head coach of the New York Giants. And there were some folks um, that that he, in his camp, 
that he was very close to. And so Bear Bryant ended up calling Ray Perkins and asked him to take the job. After that's who they decided on going forward. And Ray Perkins um, left the head coaching job for the Giants. It was not a he was getting fired type situation. And then he took the Alabama job. The timeline was he was with the Giants. And, um, you know, they were, this was before the Giants had their success um, in that era. But it was not a case of him um, getting run out. Now, he did not. And if you know Ray, God rest his soul, you, you, you know that uh, he was not someone that was get along well with much of the media, much less the New York media. So I think he probably was interested in taking that landing spot and leaving the Giants. But he did leave, and the guy that replaced Ray Perkins was his defensive coordinator, a guy by the name of Bill Parcells. And on that staff, a young special teams and secondary coach, also had coached the linebackers, had been promoted after Parcells took over the job, um, promoted to defensive coordinator under Bill Parcells, young guy by the name of Bill Belichick. <clears throat> well, you know, uh, Ray goes to um, Alabama and uh, Ray, actually, I um, owe him some debt of gratitude as he was the guy that mainly was responsible or one of the people mainly responsible for me getting hired by Bill Belichick in Cleveland in that, um, and this is how this stuff works in this league. It's, it's people that know you that <clears throat> recommend you and feel you can be an asset for whatever reason. So when I was coaching at LSU, I was coaching with a um, gentleman, a coach by the name of John Mitchell, John Mitchell, was, um, well, the first guy that played in a game, a first black player to play in a game at Alabama for Bear Bryant, uh, for, for Alabama any, at any point <clears throat> and was one of Bear's boys. And of course, um, Ray Perkins being one of Bear boys was, was very close with John Mitchell. Well, John Mitchell gets the job with Bill Belichick, the Cleveland Browns, mainly on the recommendation of Ray Perkins. Ray Perkins worked with Bill Belichick, close, respect one another, recommended John Mitchell. And um, it was John Mitchell that recommended me. And the rest, as they say, is history. Is I went to Cleveland and and began working, began my NFL career there. Although I had spent a number of years working with Blesto in the NFL while I was coaching in college, uh, this was my first full-time job in the the NFL under Belichick. So, rest in peace, Coach Perkins was someone that um, that uh, ironically, you know, while I was at LSU, Ray Perkins had taken over at Alabama and I was a young coach at LSU when Ray Perkins was 
again, the head coach, we played an infamous game in Tiger Stadium in which we thought we had Alabama beat. Alabama's coach uh, was quarterbacked by um, none other than Mike Shula. And they came back, tied us, and um, that was a definitely like a lot of ties. It feels like a loss. But so I got to know a little bit Ray Perkins when he was head coach at Alabama through my work at LSU at the time. But again, uh, so that's how things work. And you always remember opportunities. You always remember people. Uh, Ray had, look, um, it's one of the tough things you'd have to do in life to replace somebody that is infamous, legendary, and that's certainly what Bear Bryant was at Alabama. Ray Perkins um, was in a very difficult spot there. And look, did some good things there. Ultimately, um, Ray just dealing with it and dealing with some of the issues with the administration. He decided to go back to the NFL, did uh, did Ray, and he went to Tampa, uh, be the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, so that's kind of the story. So I wanted to remember him off at the top. Um, as we transition, obviously every Tuesday night, and hopefully you get a chance on Tuesday nights, um, Uh, yeah, Jig's dad says uh, coaches the Giants too. I, Jig's, I went through the whole story that he left the Giants to um, take the job at Alabama. So yeah, I, I, you may have got on a little late. Yeah, I went through the the story of how he was. Uh, Bear Bryant wanted Gene Stallings to be to be the guy to replace him, but uh, Ray Perkins was one of his guys and some other folks, uh, in the Alabama administration wanted Ray Perkins, who was the head coach of the giants and Ray left the giants. Um, he left the giants, um, voluntarily to go back to Alabama, uh, to replace Bear Bryant. Uh, so yes, he was the coach there. And I mentioned that when he left, it was the defensive coordinator of the giants that got promoted to replace Ray. Um, it was Bill Parcells and the secondary coach and special teams coach was promoted to defensive coordinator under Parcells. And that was Bill Belichick. So that's kind of the whole story. So yes, Ray coached the giants before going to Alabama left Alabama to go to Tampa. Um, the rankings came out last night and I have told you I'm have, it's not, really that interested in the show in and of itself. But one of the things we do, um, and if you don't get a chance on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern, to check us out on the Film Room Show, um, that's every week all year round. And we, um, what we do is as the rankings come out, we break it down for you so we can – you're not in front of a TV or instead of a TV, you can join us live and we'll we'll tell you how the rankings came out, what we think about it and kind of what it means. And so, you know, there is a lot of discussion and certainly there's a lot of how you rank 25. And, and I know people say that it doesn't matter how you rank one through 25. Well, to the committee, it does, because it determines how you rank the top 10 or the top five is how many of those top 25 folks 
how many top 50 guys that you, you have ranked. So they focus a lot on the 25 and, you know, kudos, a couple of things, kudos to Missouri and uh, Eli Drinkwitz, 25, the job that he's done. Um, although they're not going to play this week. Uh, great job at Tulsa by Philip Montgomery, who was on the chopping block last year. Uh, they had contacted me. They wanted to do a search. And, um, you know, I thought a little bit more patience was needed with Philip. And look at the the turnaround there. He, I mean, he's it's one of the better coaching jobs done in the country this past year. Now, they are not going to be able to play their game against Tulsa this week because of an outbreak COVID at Cincinnati. But that AAC championship game is set for a week from this Saturday. Uh, actually, is it, is it a week from Saturday? I think it's actually on a – is it on a Saturday or on a Friday? It is on the Saturday the 19th. Uh, it's at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Cincinnati um, and Tulsa are scheduled there. Um, but great job there. Dave Doran rebounding NC State back at 23. I think a disappointing year for Oklahoma State at 22. I got to tell you, talking about one of the better coaching jobs, clearly the best job in a very short Pac-12 season is Carl Durrell at Colorado. I can't tell you that that may be the best job um, done in the country when you throw in everything um, that goes into it. Um, Mel Tucker leaves Colorado extremely late to take the Michigan State job. Call Durrell hired extremely late. Now, you might say, well, being late, not having spring practice, well, no one had spring practice, but late putting a staff, all things considered, what a job they've done. And, and it just accentuates what, say, a poor job that's being done at Arizona by Kevin Sumlin, who I thought would do a pretty decent job there. It's been an awful job. Uh, Texas at 20, <clears throat> Louisiana Lafayette at 19, BYU drops to 18, North Carolina 17, Iowa, very solid, Iowa at 16. USC only played four games, would have been impressive, 15. Northwestern at 14, Postal moving up to 13. Indiana at 12, Oklahoma at 11, Miami at 10, Georgia at 9, Cincinnati down to 8, down 1, Iowa State moving one ahead. And so, uh, as expected, Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, and then A&M 5 and 6. I've said it for some time. Really no reason for the committee to alter a&M, Florida. A&M beat Florida head-to-head matters, but it's going to only matter to a point. I mean, it's – and, look, I know people don't like the committee, and I personally don't really trust the necessarily a lot of the people on it in terms of their football acumen, but the reality is you have to look at everything, and you can't say it's one thing or the other. It has to be a combination. So head-to-head is really important, but head-to-head, just like it is in the NFL, is only applicable in a tiebreaker in a three-way situation. If one team is beating the other two or have lost to the other two, 
you can't really apply it just in uniform way. So, well, but AM beat Florida. They should absolutely be ahead of. Well, you know, if Florida beats Alabama, they will be conference champions and will deserve to be in the playoffs, of course. And yes, you will maybe have some people that are AM fans will say, but we beat them. Well, yeah, but you they beat Alabama and you got blown up by Alabama. So it doesn't matter. The whole season matters. But I have felt all along it's the simple thing, it's the easy thing, and it's a smart thing to keep AM at five and Florida at six and let it play out. Now, a couple of developments that we talked about on the SEC show yesterday morning, <clears throat> SEC football and beyond with Neil McCready and yours truly, is it doesn't help that AM at this stage to lose the Ole Miss game this week. And oh yeah, they may they may either play Tennessee next week or play Ole Miss if they reschedule that. But AM's not gonna be able to play both this week and next week. And to me that hurts them because I think playing two more games gives them a better resume. But at the end, does it really matter? As I think about it, it really doesn't. Um, I think this is pretty clear cut. I think there are six teams that have a chance. I can create a wild scenario where a seventh team would have a chance. But it's pretty clear the, the the variables and the scenarios. So we have to, I'll go through them. Obviously, if Alabama beats Arkansas this week, they are in the playoffs. Whether they beat Florida or lose to Florida, it's only a matter of seeding in the playoffs. They're in. I believe barring a absolute destruction of Notre Dame by Clemson, and it would have to look in a way, to me, very obtuse and obvious. I, I, I think Notre Dame is in. I think right now Notre Dame and Alabama are is sure to be in, and I, it doesn't mean I think they're the top two best teams. I think Clemson will beat Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is in. <clears throat> and I think Clemson will be in by beating Notre Dame. Um. Now, this is where it gets interesting and where the debate will continue. As the story of college football yesterday was the fact that Ohio State, Michigan is canceled. And what is the Big Ten going to do? Well, there are two issues here, kind of linked but not linked. And here's what I mean. Will the Big Ten change the policy that they implemented about how many games you need to be in to play in the Big Ten championship game. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know that they're going to change the policy. I don't think they need to change the policy. I think that if they change the policy, it would be that, and I think it matters because I think it's pretty obvious to anybody, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. It's kind of embarrassing for the league 
to have their team that's clearly the best in that conference not be allowed in the conference championship game by their own rules. It's it's embarrassing on so many levels. But yet, you know, I understand you have to have rules and how many games you play and all those things matter. It's clear they're the best team. So whether it, it does matter from a having a title, even in a weird year, it does matter that Ohio, for Ohio State that they win the conference championship. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I also think it gives them a little bit of not bump, but it gives a little bit maybe of a PR bump. Let's call it that for the college football committee to say, yeah, you see, they look, they played an extra game or two and they also won the big 10 title. But I think the, the committee would take Ohio state, you know, as it is. And it's very simple to me is when looking at them, they're clearly one of the four best, and there's no real other option. A&M is a good team. Nobody has been, when people were burying Jimbo and A&M at the beginning of the year, I was saying, this guy is going to get it going at A&M. And I had a question, uh, and I didn't get to answer it, and I apologize. It, it may have been you, Spartan Martin, about is Jimbo Ricci's peak at A&M? No. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I think AM's on a fast rise, and it's because of Jimbo. I, I just think he's maximized this team this year, and I think he's very, very good. I said it. I think AM's a poor man's version of Notre Dame. They play the same way Notre Dame plays, just not as good and without as good or as consistent of a quarterback. So it is not that AM is, you know, completely unworthy. But in my mind, uh, and, you know, it's more about um, how do they look when it comes to comparison against an Ohio State? There's, to me, quite a bit of difference. Um, look, I think Ohio State has been hindered in a lot of ways because they haven't had as many practices or as many games. I don't think Ohio State is as good as they would be. I know my grades on them wouldn't be as high, or excuse me, they're not as high as I think they would be if they had played all those games. But currently, the way they are, they're still grading out better as a team. Not five-star prospects, not pro prospects, just better on tape in the games that they played. Um, so I think Ohio State will be in. The scenario for AM, okay, and I gave you, okay, Florida. Florida, it's not easy, but Florida can earn their way in with a win over Alabama. I think Notre Dame has to be AM's best friend. Notre Dame, if they are able to beat Clemson again, that had knocked two loss Clemson out, I believe, below AM. And I think then AM would get in. Uh, along with Ohio State and Alabama and Notre Dame. And AM would need an Alabama win to make sure that Florida doesn't get in by winning. I, I think that's probably going to happen. So AM needs an Alabama win. And I think the thing that is 
going to be a long shot is a Notre Dame win over Clemson can. But if those happen, then I think A&M, there's really nobody else except the possibility. And I, again, looking at it, and everybody says, what if? To me, it's not about just what if. If this team wins, that's part of it. But how does it look? I think under that scenario, if an Alabama and Notre Dame wins, then I think A&M would get in with Ohio State. Um, If, if, if you had an Iowa State team that just was so impressive in, say, beating Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, that might be a discussion there. So that is the, I'm going to throw out a seventh possibility that's, I don't even want to go down that path right now because it's unrealistic, but that's how I see it. I think it's, I think it'll be uh, in the end. I think Alabama will beat Florida. I think Clemson will beat Notre Dame. And so I think what you're going to have is going to be an intrigue. I think Alabama will be one. I think Notre Dame will be four. And, um, and I think Clemson, Ohio state will be in the semifinals and Alabama, Notre Dame. It's how I see it's likely going to play out, but that's, that's what I see. Let's get into some of your questions and your your thoughts here. Um, hey, Jake's dad, appreciate cheering us on and, uh, of course, making sure that uh, talk about Ray Perkins and coaching the Giants. I did mention it, but absolutely. Jake's dad says, were you on the LSU staff in the 89 for the Hall of Fame bowl? I sure am. I still have the watch in the uh, little bit of the trophy case. Jake's dad is a – Peter's a really good Syracuse fan, really great guy, Syracuse fan. They uh, they kicked us. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. Help me remember the tight end. Pat, what was Pat's last name? Really good tight end there. He was a big leader for Coach Mack's team, Dick McPherson. Um, anyway. Um, very good Syracuse team. They had it rolling there. Coach Mack was really good. We played them, and when we were at the one of the functions, I can't remember who was, you know, you have all these functions that you go with both teams. Um, and I can remember it, it was stakes. And that tight end, oh man, I scouted him. I wrote grades on him. I'm, I'm getting senior moment remembering last names and, I'm getting there, folks. Um, so we're, we're, there's like, you know, lines. I've got basically a buffet line here and there. And and I remember one of the players going in front of them taking two stakes. And that tight end said, Pat said, hey, coach said take one. It told me right there kind of what that program was about. It's a little thing, but you could see, hey, there's a way we do it. And with the way they say it, it was it was a different time. But I I I remember that as much as anything, probably because uh I'm trying still try to forget the 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 way they played. I didn't I didn't think we practiced worth a damn. We were disappointed that we didn't get a better bow and we we did a poor job coaching crappy preparing and they they did a really good job on us so uh yeah i was on that lsu staff then um 
Spartan Barton, do you think Ohio State winning the national championship would require an asterisk due to how few games they played? I do not. I mean, they make the playoffs and they beat, let's say, a Clemson and Alabama. Are you kidding me? No, I, I don't. Look, I, I get it. So here's the thing. They're not going to play in as many games. It's not fair. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair to the other teams that play more games, but it's also not fair to them. See, you're assuming, or maybe you're not assuming, you're just saying they just haven't played as many games. You can't assume a win. You can't assume a loss. I know I, when people ask me just the nature of what we do, that we project, but I put, and I, I fully admit at this, the nature of what I do in breaking down the game, Ohio State clearly is better than the other candidates for the fourth spot in my mind. They are. Um, you know, I don't think there's an asterisk. I, I You know, I, I you could make that case that, it's an asterisk overall. Some people might. I I, I do not. Um, um, do you? Uh, I'm going to get to this, uh, but I, uh, let me go ahead and answer it. Sportsdad, do you see the Browns making the playoffs and then still can that be Chief Steelers? I do. Right now they'd make it, and I think they're dangerous. We'll get into more of that in the NFL talk. Absolutely. Spartan Barton said it sucks as there are no other good teams in the Big Ten, Northwestern, Indiana, or Wisconsin would be fifth or sixth best in the SEC. Well, um, the Big Ten's now. And again, you can hold that against Ohio State, and you can hold the fact that the Big Ten made the rules, made their decision. They decided to, you know, to start late. Okay, so do you want to punish Ohio State for the Big Ten? I, I mean, my point is, is you have to separate things. It's kind of like in scouting when, We have categories in which we grade players. If a guy is a real jackass, I mean, if he's a, I hate to say it, turd, he's just a, but he's very fast and he's very athletic and he's got good skill set for the position. You don't downgrade his speed because he's a turd. You, you grade him, you break him down in every category and you decide not to take him if he's a turd and you don't think you want him on your team, that's fine, but you can't make him slower or less strong or less capable. Um, if he's a jerk, well, the same thing applies. You can't assume or say that Ohio state is not as good because they didn't play as many games. Uh, and I know that's most of it. It's not what you're saying. You're saying they haven't earned it. Well, yeah. I mean, but who has, um, is there a better team? Is there another option? I don't believe there is that's legitimate. Um, and I think if you're, you're putting it and I'm trying to look here, I don't know that I have it. Um, the odds, uh, and not that that's the be all the end all, but, I think, um, yeah, here we go. And this is an indicator. 
this is I'm not an odds guy. Most people are. Alabama, according to the odds, would be see is that a 13 point favorite against AM. I mean they they blew them out. Alabama would be a 10 point favorite against Notre Dame. Alabama would be a six and a half point favorite against Clemson. They would be a four point favorite over Ohio State. I don't concern myself with the odds as much, but it's some people do. For those of you that do, Vegas thinks Ohio State's not one of the four best, but one of the two best. Now I could mm, I again I'm gonna go back to what I said. I think the fact that they've not they're not as developed during the course of the year that I would maybe put Clemson I think Clemson might be a little bit better. But I but I do see I, I think Ohio State chances of winning in the playoffs are less because of the fewer games and practices that they have than if they played more. But that shouldn't affect the fact that they're still the one of the four best. So look, I mean it's it's gonna be quite the argument. Um Spartan Bartman asks what will Jimbo do after Mon? What will he do after Mon? Kellen Mon is very inconsistent. Jimbo has gotten the most out of him. What did Jimbo do with Christian Ponder and EJ Manuel? I mean, Jamarcus Russell. Everybody that Jimbo's had at quarterback, he's developed. That is the absolute strength. He may be one of the top two or three in the country at taking whatever quarterback you have and maximizing whatever that guy's ability is. He's already got, in my mind, a better quarterback or two on the roster, just not his experience. So what will Jimbo do after mine? He's going to do what he's always done, and that's maximizing the offense around the quarterback. Because I'm going to be honest with you, <clears throat> I just think that Kellen Mond is very limited. And yet, the guy is more productive and more productive. I get more and more respect out of Jimbo. So that's that to me, that's, that's pretty easy. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I'm going to get to more of your questions. Um, Jimbo appears washed up. Well, Sparmar, you're not making a whole lot of sense there, my friend. I love you, but Washed up, um, <laughs> uh, like his best days are well behind him at Florida State and still giving him nightmares. Yeah, I think Florida State's, their problems are created, and the problems, I think he got it back with the problems at Florida State is the reason why Jimbo left to go to AM. No, Jimbo's not washed up. Um, I think you, you, you're having your, uh, your fandom there get out of whack there. Uh, <clears throat> AM uh, Rock Westfall. AM has made Herman's seat warmer. Texas fans agree with you and are envious. Uh, there's no question that the AM success has had a lot. <clears throat> Oklahoma as well, but AM more so. That kind of rankled both of those rankled them. Rock also says if you see this, please comment on the Big Ten's president's idiocy in using Warren as their figurehead press spokesman. Warren has little power but is the heat shield for the presidents and know nothing about college football. Do you agree? The big 10 presidents love Delaney's departure. Uh, <clears throat> well, I think that you're hitting on it. I've mentioned this for some time that, look, I mean, I don't have, um, 
anything against Kevin Warren, but I have some background with him. I don't think he was a, I, I think he's capable of doing what they want him to do. And it's what you said. The presidents are running it. The presidents pretty much run it, but a powerful commissioner can get in and kind of uh, mold things and smooth things politically. Kevin is just that exactly what you said. It's what I said back in the summer when he's out there, you know, announcing what they're doing. He's, it's just something he's memorized or reading. He has no, no involvement in it. Uh, and that is absolutely true. So look, I mean, you know, all that is Kevin Warren's going to get fired. No, he's not. That's exactly who the, who the, um, the big 10 presidents want. Now, if it does become an embarrassing situation PR-wise, and I, I know it is, but if something were to happen, would they fire Kevin Warren, throw him under the bus, and say, hey, bad leadership? <laughs> sure they would. If it got so bad that they had to throw him under the bus to, to kind of take the blood off their hands, absolutely they would. But they don't want to do that because they like the fact that he does what they tell him. Most of them do. Not all of them. So keep that in mind. Um, wow. The first two-loss team in the playoffs. Uh, well, no, I don't think that. What I gave you this scenario, unlikely scenario in Ohio State. Remember Spartan Martin. We've not only we've not had a two-loss team in the playoffs. We've had a two-loss team in the BCS. And the BCS was a two-team playoff. So, oh, it can happen, and it will happen. I don't think it's going to happen for Iowa State because that loss to Louisiana Lafayette is a killer. Look, I mean, in Louisiana Lafayette's 19th. So it's not like, you know, that's a – I mean, it's still a game that if it would have been played differently at a different time, Ohio State wins that game. Um. It's only a scenario. If AM really struggles, don't play another game, um, which is possible at this point. And Iowa State blows out Oklahoma. I think there'll be some discussion. Will it take Iowa State over AM in that scenario? I'm not saying it would. I'm not saying I would do it myself. I'm just saying. I threw that out as a possibility. So, no, I don't see that. Jig's dad giving it. Pat Kelly is the tight end at Notre Dame that I was uh, was trying to remember that. Really, really appreciate you. I knew you'd come through. What was your evaluation of Leroy Horde coming out of college? Leroy came out of Michigan. Um, Leroy uh, played for us in Cleveland. Leroy was a smooth, not real fast power back. Um, I go back with Leroy. Leroy's out of New Orleans. By the way, he came out of New Orleans, the same league, high school league, that Ward Manuel came out of New Orleans. Both went to Michigan. And Ward Manuel, of course, is the now uh, athletic director at uh, Michigan. Uh, Pat Kelly died of cancer in 2000. You know what? I forgot that. Oh, man. You know what? That is uh, – Yeah, I had forgotten that, Pat. Chris Gedney was, uh, yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm thinking somebody else. Um, who was it? 
Um, well, it was somebody else. I'm thinking of Pat, probably because I remember scouting Pat. There was somebody. It wasn't Chris Gedney. Somebody else on the team that said that. So um, uh, uh, it was Pat Davis on the team. Okay, that that's it. It's Pat Davis. So appreciate you getting me straight there. Anyway. Yes, I was on the coaching staff at LSU. Yes, I got that. Take a look at the odds in the Ohio State versus Florida in the national championship in 06. Uh, Iowa State gets a ton of credit in Vegas every year. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't care. I'm just telling you what the odds are. And what happens in 2006 has nothing to do now. You can be the betting odds or what the pe- – a public bet it is. There's a, always upsets. Look, I get it. I know you're a Florida fan. I love you, okay? I, I'm telling you objectively. I don't care who wins. I, I'm just telling you who's better, and you may not like it. And in a given game, a lot of things can happen, of course. But when you're picking, you have to be objective, which means you have to have the knowledge of everybody, not just your team, and you have to be objective about it. So that mean I, you know, doesn't mean because, as I said before, I don't think Ohio State would necessarily do very well right now in the playoffs, but I think they're one of the four best. And I said it on the film room show last night, if Ohio State and Florida played, my friend Ohio State would beat Florida, in my mind, um, six times out of ten. Now, could Florida beat Ohio State? Yes, but I think Ohio State's a little bit more complete. The big difference is – Yes, they both got quarterbacks. Uh, Ohio State's got a better offensive line. Ohio State's got a better running game. Ohio State's got an elite defensive line. Florida State doesn't have a great defensive line. Look, I might give the offensive productivity of Kyle Trask uh, a bit of an edge, but Justin Fields, the run threat, I think Ohio State would beat Florida. It's my view based on studying film. These are my background. Is it a guarantee? No. I mean, I, I, there are a lot of things that happen that are surprises. Florida could line up and beat anybody, but, you know, uh, I think the, there's a greater probability that Ohio State would beat Florida this year. Uh, that's from an objective viewpoint. Woody Johnson, how much is his fault? What is his rep in the NFL? Well, Woody Johnson is not involved with the team anymore, Rock. Um, he's, uh, worked as, um, an ambassador. His son has taken over that. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, his reputation hasn't been really good when he was involved. Uh, and Spartan Martin says, my cousin, he's Ohio State fan. I'm your Bama in the semis and revenge on Clemson in the national championship. Well, you know, Ohio State would, like I said, We'll see if they get in. Right, man, I have you great questions, great comments, and uh, um, you know, so uh, we we appreciate. Yeah, Smart March said six times out of ten is almost a tussle. Well, you know, actually, I was hedging between six and seven. I I still think it's. Um, I I think that, for example, I think if it, my comparison, the way I do what Smart Martin's talking about, is I tend to. Also, look at teams when comparing them. Anything can happen in one game. Um, If you played them over time, what would happen? And that's just kind of a little rule of thumb that I have. I think Alabama would probably beat Florida probably eight out of ten. I I said seven, eight. I'm I'm not 
doing it scientifically here, but I think it's I think Ohio State this year's team because I, Ohio State is not quite as developed. I probably say six, but it might be closer to seven um, for the reasons that I mentioned. I think they've got distinct advantages. However, if Ohio State Starts off sloppy. Florida would get an early lead. Yeah, I think they'd be a good matchup. Look, this is what I keep saying. I love the discussions, and there always would be arguments in any system. But this is maybe something we can all agree upon. Maybe people wouldn't agree with this. Wouldn't it be great to have a scenario where we'd finish a season? And this year's different. I get it. But if we finish the season and we finished a good regular season and we put – um these teams in bowl games and determine who's truly the best. That would think uh, it would be um, would be really good because then maybe you can settle some of these discussions of who's better. I mean, uh, maybe it is A&M Ohio State, and maybe it is. Um, and I'd certainly like that better than playing A&M Ohio State. I'd love to see A&M Ohio State play this week like anyone else would, but it wouldn't tell us what we need to know. I mean, it's everything's equal, but it's not ultimate preparation. But you give a couple of weeks of preparation in a bowl game, put an A&M, Ohio State, or Florida, whatever the scenario, you put some really good matchups together and then not in a playoff format, but then say, all right, look, we've seen these teams and we've seen them in even more games and cross-referencing. Now let's pick the four. You'd still have arguments, but boy, you wouldn't have quite the speculation because You'd have more empirical data of watching them. I'm a big film-watching guy. People like to quote stats. I'm aware stats are very misleading, very misleading. And you can make stats fit your argument. Well, I'm not using stats to fit an argument because I don't make an argument. I just sit there and let the film come to me, evaluating a player or team, and that's how it plays out. Um Rock Westfall, Gary Patterson at TCU, out of gas or out of I, I don't, I, I don't know that I would agree with that, Rock. I, TCU is still one of the best coach teams schematically in a conference that a lot of people have offenses. And yeah, I know you look and Matt Campbell is great and all that, but. I think Gary's still good. The issue is, can he get a good quarterback? When he gets a good quarterback, that's a difference. I I wouldn't say that uh, out of gas. One thing, he's not out of gas. Um, and I don't think he's out of ideas. I don't, I don't think, though, that the talent level is what he needs, and that's holding him back. Um, really appreciate it. I really appreciate getting all the comments. I post a lot. Some of them are nonsense. Feel free to ignore those ones all. Nothing's nonsense. Appreciate you cheering on, man. I, I appreciate everybody's involvement. And they're not nonsense. I, what I love to do is try to say, look, I get it from a fan standpoint. And it's and you're not wrong. It's just, you know, I'm going to give you an objective viewpoint. Uh, Rich Coates says, what was your scouting evaluation of Warren Sapp out of Miami and Brad Hopkins out of Illinois? Well, I, well, I, I drafted Brad. <laughs> Involved in drafting, uh, drafting Brad Hopkins. Uh, Brad was a tight end uh, originally. He went to Illinois as a tight end. And he was 
grew into the tackle position, very athletic, really good feet. So we, we, uh, we drafted a very good offensive line there um, in Houston. Uh, and Warren Sapp was outstanding. Warren had the off-the-field issues he had. Here's the thing about Warren that killed Warren. Or, and I said killed. I mean, he was a great player, and he, and he didn't drop too far. But just to give you an idea. Um, you test positive for marijuana at the combine. And I know there's a lot of talk about, well, marijuana is not that, whatever. Okay. You fail a drug test at the combine. You either are really addicted or you're stupid. I mean, cause you know when you're going to get tested and Warren tested positive. And so there's a lot of that. And, you know, Warren had his issues. Orange was a great player. Warren was in that discussion, believe it or not, with the number one overall pick in that draft. I mean, he wasn't ending up going to be that guy, but he was in that discussion. Um, <clears throat> Rich Coach, I love the people you pick. How do you come up with the guy? Um, uh, I looked him up. There you go. Rich Coach uh, always, I mean, emails, and he's doing the um, – he's always – I'm amazed that he wants to know about guy, and I believe he's a is a younger guy. He goes back and he wants to know about certain guys. It's really intriguing because he asks questions about people that no one else asks about. You know, it's normally about you know how'd you have Tom Grady great, and and you know, but it's usually somebody who's like you know who's gonna go and say uh, Leroy Hort. I, it's interesting because I knew Leroy in high school and, and a Louisiana guy and me, a Louisiana guy. It's just real interesting that he comes with that. He's really on, on top of it. Jiggs is great too. Spartan Bartman is great. And Rock Westfall, that's, that's that guy's a machine. Brown's old new uniform's great. Yes, it was. As administrator, what goes into those decisions? Well, I never was involved in, I never was involved in those type of decisions. I never really paid much attention to it. Uh, the last set was horrible. You oversaw Arlers. Um, I, I I was never in any issues about logos or colors or anything like that. My administrator was in scouting and personnel, coaching hires and stuff like that. Um, uh, I'm with you. The Browns, I'm good with the orange pants because um, in that old school Retigliano. I, I'm good with orange pants and or white pants. Um and and I like and I and I like the, the brown or the white jersey. I, I could go the Marty had the all whites. Retigliano had the orange pants. Yeah, I, I'm a traditionalist. Um I actually kind of liked our old Oilers. Um, I liked their all whites, um, I, but I, I I don't know, and I'm not the best with that. Anybody sees, I'm I'm certainly not the the great dresser. Uh, but yeah, I don't. What I don't like is the the new age stuff. I'm not really big in it. I don't like the some of that stuff. I'm just not real crazy. About. And I don't like I don't like the colorized stuff. I mean, your Chiefs, my God. I mean, I love the Chiefs uniform. Get, just get rid of the all red. I mean, it's just, it's like, um, it's like watching a drunk, you know, bloodshot eyes. It just, it just doesn't, that doesn't, 
you know, they've got um, now I could go with the red pants and white shirt or the all whites. And I certainly love the red shirt and white. Um, I don't like that. Um, I like the simple stuff. Give me something that's simple. Packers, their yellow gold pants and white shirt or, or green shirt. You know, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm simple. Um, when you looked up, uh, I've already guys like Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> when, when I looked up, I've already guys like Aaron Hernandez and Darren Sharper. You know what? Look, um, I, I will tell you this. You're not asking. And this is a little part of it. I'll tell you a little story about this. So people know I go back with Urban Meyer long ways. Urban was a graduate assistant at Ohio State when I was a young coach at LSU. We played Ohio State back-to-back. Earl Bruce was the head coach. And this young guy comes over pregame and shakes my hand, introduces himself, gives me his car and asks if, you know, we can uh, – I didn't I didn't have my car. I didn't keep business cards with me on game day. I never did that. You know, got the play sheet and all that. But he tells you where Urban was. He was a, a mover and shaker and a guy that was uh, promoting himself early on. He asked if we can get in touch. Absolutely. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then, so it's pretty easy. You just call the football office at Ohio State, call the football coach at LSU. Urban kept in touch and all that. And it was because most GAs, you're looking for jobs. And coming up as a GA, you always did. You always Every GA office in college has a GA board. What jobs have come up? You want to know where the scoop is. Sometimes accurate, sometimes it's not. GAs kind of know because they're looking for jobs. So-and-so might get this job, and he might bring this guy who might bring that guy. And I know somebody who knows that guy who could call that guy, that guy. And then this, that's kind of how it works. So anyway, Urban's getting in touch. And actually, um, uh, recommended for a couple of uh, jobs and actually recommended to Bowling Green, the head coach, um, the uh, head coach at the time. And then he ended up getting a position there in the staff. And then he ended up working his way. Well, he ended up going to Notre Dame as a receiver coach. Uh, I don't think it wasn't me, although I did recommend to Skip Holtz that are, that they look at him <clears throat> and Skip got him hired at, at, uh, at Lou Holtz at Notre Dame as a receiver coach. And then he ended up going back to Bowling Green, but I also made the introduction with my background with Belichick with he and urban. And so Bill and urban have developed a really good friendship, but, and this is, I'm telling you this to lead you into the Aaron Hernandez. When Aaron Hernandez came out, you, you remember in, in some of the stuff I knew about through the security stuff at the NFL, but some of the stuff we didn't to the degree. So I know the whole Aaron Hernandez, what happened in New England was different than what happened in Florida. There's some pretty bad stuff that happened at Florida. Not quite like this, but it was pretty bad. And Bill Belichick asked Urban, what am I getting? And Urban endorsed Aaron Hernandez. And that didn't work out very well, obviously. And that kind of strained the relationship a little bit. And so, uh, but I've had that happen before. I was the guy that recommended Greg Williams to Sean Payton. I worked with Greg Williams and knew, uh, worked with Sean and my connection with Parcells. And I really recommended that that would be a good fit. The aggressiveness of what Greg does, 
Um, not not what he did <laughs> this past week in New York against the, the Raiders, but I thought it'd be a good fit. Well, it did it did work. They won a Super Bowl, but it also led to Bounty Gate, and those two don't like each other. So that's a that's a interesting. And Darren Sharper was on that team. <sighs> My God, I did not know um, what was going on there. That's scary. Thank you. Um, Woody Johnson's son uh, ruined Namath Jets. Woody's son ruined Namath Jets look bad. Okay. Um, not sure I get that. Jig's dad. Okay. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, good God. I hate my Chiefs and not good. I was going to be, say, I was disappointed in you if you loved. What was your assessment of Buddy Ryan as a coach? Um, loved a lot of what Buddy did. Buddy was hard headed. By the way, that's where Greg Williams got his aggressive tendencies. And I didn't hear it or see it, but they tell me that Rex Ryan, who does TV now, ripped Greg Williams for the move. That's that if there was ever a Rex Ryan move, I could see Rex Ryan doing that. Buddy was very, very aggressive, as you well know. And you know, Venner of the 46 and very creative. Um and very good as a head coach. He wasn't very good because he didn't have good command of the entire team and he didn't have good relationships there. Um, Rich Rod getting any nibbles, you know, he's not rock. Um, his name's not coming up a lot and, um, you know, it's not a, not a, not a, you know, he's a little bit of a difficult guy maybe to get along with, but I, you know, other than that, um, I certainly would look at it. I, I have actually thought about it. I've got some notes um, on him that I wanted to pursue, but um, I, I, I think for him that his route would be, and I put this in my notes, to keep an eye out in certain places that might come open at a lower level, that might be a good fit, you know. Um, even if it's win, Vigil 1AA, Go back, be a head coach. Kind of, I, it, that's my thoughts. I don't know what he wants. I haven't talked with him. About. I meant he run the Jets uniforms. Okay, all right. I'm about to say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The I loved the old Jets, and Parcells brought the old Jets uniform. That you're right. The name is Jets, and that I don't like the all green with the Jets with the J. That's just like that's just like the fourth grade made the logo. At some school there, I, I, you know, up in Hofstra. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't like. It. I'm with you, Rock. We're we're two peas in a pod there. I like those some of the old uniforms. I don't like the Broncos' new helmets. I, a lot of people thought the old Broncos helmets were ugly and simple. You know, it was the D with the with the Bronco coming out of the D. I like that. A lot of people did, but anyway. Uh, Aaron Hernandez brother wrote a great book about Aaron gives a look inside the family. Yeah. The, the issue with the dad was, was something, um, that was tragic. I appreciate, I got off track, but it's, be, it's because of you. And I thank you for it. I look, I didn't break down all the games. Uh, like to answer your questions. And as in any show, I want to make sure that we cover what you want. And if you're watching out there, you're listening, we want you uh, to be involved in it. And so we didn't get into much of the games. I've got uh, a little bit of time. I'm going to go into some of that. Let's see. I read uh, where a scout said Hernandez was so easy to dig up to run um, compared to say uh, to any player, which it was so easy to dig up dirt on compared to any player, which is uh, well, 
it, it's it's pretty easy to do it. You could do a lot of work on campus, but here's the thing: in today's world, we've it's one thing for me to have sources on campus that can tell me about a guy, and that means a lot. But I'm concerned about coachability and things like that. I don't have the background in law enforcement or criminal records to to find out. So if somebody doesn't tell me, let me give you an example. So there's a lot that's come out about Darius Geis. Came out of LSU a few years ago. He dropped in the draft. Many people were critical that he dropped. Well, the reason he dropped because there was intel about things that he had done. Now, I'm here in Baton Rouge, and I heard some things, but nothing. I, I'm not out at bars and all that kind of stuff. I don't. You know, I wasn't out at bars when I was of age to be out at bars, um, or you know those type of bars. Um, but there were issues that came up in the security check. Well, I asked Ed, and I asked other members of the staff about, "Hey, look, let me tell you what NFL securities unearthed under Darius." So. What's the deal here? And, and, you know, none of any problem here. I never arrested. They said things that were true, but they left things out. So I don't know, I think, and this is part of come out in that investigation that's going on at LSU. I think Ed, Ed was an assistant coach at the time. Les was the head coach. I asked Les about it, but God bless him, Les didn't. I, I, I truly believe Les didn't know, wasn't aware. I don't get into that, but, um, but Ed was very close to Darius. I think Ed knew the rumors. I mean, I think he knew what was going on. He denied it. Okay. But he, he couldn't say after the fact, or he couldn't say later on that he knew nothing about the rumors. Cause I, myself, along with other, uh, general managers and people asked him about it. So if he didn't know about it before, he damn sure knew after we said, hey, look, this is what we are uncovering under NFL Intel. So, you know, you what's the what's the deal? And here's the thing. A lot of guys don't tell you, but but I always tell them you can shoot straight with us. If you don't. I mean, we're going to find out anyway, and that's kind of the point of this. We have NFL intel that can find out things. So if a coach or a equipment manager, or a trainer, an academic advisor, if they don't tell us something that we need to know about a player, we've got experts that or former FBI folks that will find out if there are other stuff going on. And they have leads and things that could tell us to tip us off. So what I do is found out about certain things that take place. Jig's dad's a, a Syracuse fan. There was some issues when Keith Bullock came out before I drafted him. <clears throat> pardon me. There's some issue. Keith got in a bar fight in Syracuse. Um, and his brother had some problems and grew up with a foster family. I did my homework and we did the background check because I knew what I knew, but I needed to make sure there wasn't things that I didn't know from beyond the university and the school standpoint. So it's a lot easier to know stuff. 
but it was real easy. There was a whole lot of stuff going on in Gainesville with Aaron Hernandez and others, and Aaron was the ringleader. It was a real problem. All right, let me get to this. We're running short of time. There was a lot of dirt. If you're, if you're not joining the live chat, you're only getting 25% of the experience. Thank you, Spartan Barton. You're right. If you're not joining the live chat, you can really get in on it. Real quick, since it's not, it's probably good because it's not a great week of action in college football. Fact, I'm going to just say this. I don't know how you feel. I, I'm getting stressed with so many games getting postponed, which are now canceled, that, look, we're going to miss. We're not going to have Michigan-Ohio State, and that wasn't going to be a good game. But, you know, we're going to have, for example, Friday, Arizona State-Arizona, which, you know, is not much be much of a game, and, they keep Kevin Sumlin. Utah, Colorado. I mean, that's that's the only question there, and pr- maybe another year. Utah, Colorado is interesting. Saturday early window. Alabama, Arkansas, Michigan, Ohio State gone. Would have been a good game. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Some intrigue, not a lot. Georgia, Missouri. A little intrigue. Illinois, Illinois Northwestern kind of intrigues me. Army, Navy always intrigues me. Michigan, Penn State. Eh, no. North Carolina, Miami. In fact, I need to make a note on something here. Um, as I do it, North Carolina, Miami is really intriguing to me. Uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with the national playoffs or anything like that, of course, but that's an intriguing game. Purdue, Indiana, probably not going to be played. We've lost Cincinnati, Tulsa, Wisconsin, Iowa really intrigues me. Um, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, you know, Jeremy needs the game, Washington, Oregon, LSU, Florida in the late window, Auburn, Mississippi State, kind of interesting. USC, UCLA, um, Ole Miss a and i I'm going to miss, you know, not, not being played. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Look, I there are a lot of games. There's some others, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal. But I worry about Pac-12 games because you can pretty much guarantee two or three of those games are going to be knocked out. And, look, there's not a lot of intrigue. It's almost let's get us to the playoffs, don't you? Isn't it, isn't it want to be it, – it, um, it, 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 don't you get the feeling, oh, my God, let's just get the four teams. Let's play already before – because what are we going to do? I was going to get into it, and I'll get into it another time and probably get into it tomorrow on the Landry Football Podcast. We're going to have to make sure that we – not bubble, but we're going to have to make sure that we protect once we pick those four teams. We can't have delays or postponement in those games. And, by the way, we can't have it in the NFL. We can't have, I mean, it's kind of cute to play doubleheaders on Monday and play a Tuesday game and a Wednesday game, you know, Tuesday game. And once we get into the NFL playoffs, you can't have a postponement. You can't move the game from Saturday or Sunday to Monday. You you can't have one less week for the winter to move on. You can't have that. It's stressing me. So, uh, and in the NFL this week, um, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, so intriguing. Baltimore, Cleveland, Monday night. Like Cleveland in this game. We'll get into more of that um, uh, probably tomorrow. Tomorrow show. Kansas City, Miami is intriguing. Can the Giants get it done at home against Arizona? Uh, Washington, San Francisco. NFC East is a little bit more intriguing. Um, AFC South, can Tennessee go on the road, take care of Jacksonville? You expect that they would. Indy, Las Vegas, really intriguing. Um Detroit playing better. Jalen Hurts getting the start for Philly. Some intrigue in this game. So uh, we'll go into a little bit more details, I promise, tomorrow in the Landry Football Podcast. We have gone over the allotment, but we could do that since Chuck Oliver doesn't come on 
until the top of the hour. Um, real quick, let's see. Uh, and lastly, can you explain the difference between Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Cam Newton based on their running style throwing ability? Kyler Murray is a little is a better thrower, better passer than Lamar Jackson, but he's shorter. He is actually uh, quicker um, and has more burst than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's faster and more smooth as a runner. Not as good of a pastor as Murray. Cam Newton is just big. You don't realize how big Cam is until you're up there with him. He is just huge and very athletic, but obviously not as fast and you know because of his age, but he never was as fast as these guys. Um, all of those guys have some passing limitations. Murray is the better passer of the all three. But he's shorter, and so you have to work outside the pocket or deep pocket sets to see over the line. And at times, he's been been very successful. And Rock Westfalls, would Illinois have been better off just keeping Zucker or uh, and or Kubit? One of the many examples of AD's hasty changes not working. Look, I think there's a lot of that with, with Ron. I think with Ron, the team wasn't as consistently coached, but he was a good recruiter. And yeah. You give him the better facilities. I mean, went to a Rose Bowl with Ron. Absolutely. But here's the thing, Rock and everybody, you get these programs that they catch lightning in a bottle, and then all of a sudden they think that should be the norm. Well, we did it once. We should do it every time. Understand, if you're Missouri and you went to the SEC championship game twice, understand that it wasn't just, well, Gary Pinkle did a good job. He did. But he did it in conjunction with Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia all underachieving. So, you know, if you're South Carolina, you're Missouri, you're not going to the SEC championship game unless you're really good and everybody else sucks at the same time. Arkansas and Mississippi State each made the SEC championship game out of the West. Why? Well, Auburn, Alabama, LSU all sucked. At that time, and at that time, AM wasn't even in the league. So understand who you are. Understand, but but sometimes you get it gets stale, and sometimes the move is look at there's a little bit of a life shelf of coaches, and unless you're on the inside, like on the surface, yeah, I would have no doubt, I think. With Zucker, you've got something, a guy that's a voracious recruiter. You've had some success. Let's build on that. But then, you know, was he able to keep the staff? Why wasn't being developed? And then it would it have continued to regress? But your point overall in big picture is just because you need to make a change, a change in and of itself doesn't work unless you make a good hire. And if you don't, then you're further backing yourself up. Then it becomes, well, what's the problem with the program? Well, often the problem with the program is you as an administrator hiring back-to-back-to-back-to-back coaches, and then you get further and further behind, and you further become further and further irrelevant. Hey, folks, appreciate you joining us. Uh, Spread the word about what we're doing. Spread the word about LandryFootball.com. Got a holiday discount out there. Um, so check it out today. Check the special gaming offers from American betting experts over on LandryFootball.com as well. Check out our breakdowns. We're going to have coaching search updates, some inside 
what happened in the South Carolina search and Vanderbilt, other stuff I'm working on. I'm going to get that up there. And we certainly got some in the NFL. So check it out over there at Landry football. So if you can help spread the word on that, we would definitely appreciate it. Join us again tomorrow on the Landry football podcast, where we will break down. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly take your questions, comments. We'll, we'll, we'll do all those things as well and get to some of the things I didn't get to today, as well as, um, talking about the, uh, the weekend, a little bit more about the weekend games. Uh, and that's going to be brought to you tomorrow by football TV. Check that out. I have great opportunity for a great savings, cut your cable bill, uh, great streaming aspect, football TV. Tell you more about that tomorrow. Appreciate your patience. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you on over on LandryFootball.com. See you on the Landry Football Podcast tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.